This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes. Coming to you from Florida's scenic Treasure Coast. And bringing you the news behind the news. The story behind the story. Here to convince you the reality is usually scoffed at. And illusion is usually king. We're live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. Or you can shoot me an email. The address is RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line and leave your rant at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Guess what day it is? Uh-oh. Guess what day it is? Julie. Huh? Julie. Guess what day it is? Julie. Julie. Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Anybody? Anybody? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Anybody? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Huh? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Huh? Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Listen. Guess what today is? 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 It's hump day. Woo! <laughs> it is hump day. And uh, that has an entirely different meaning for the jackhole nation. But uh, put your mind back in your pants and let's... Let's do a roundup of the the weekly motley that's going on with this presidential campaign. Uh, last night, North Carolina threw in with Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, uh, and Nevada in agreeing to accept late ballots. In North Carolina's case, it's going to be nine additional days for ballot harvesting for the Democrats to overcome Donald Trump's margin of victory on election night. In Pennsylvania, it was a three uh, additional days. In Wisconsin, it's 14 additional days. And uh, the, the, the court ruling, I guess it was actually a consent decree out of North Carolina, actually allows for outright ballot harvesting. <clears throat> They're going to uh, require them to accept any ballot unless they can prove that the, the, uh, the signature is false. It's going to have the presumption that, um, that the, all ballots are legitimate and they cannot be disqualified um, without a, uh, a preponderance of the evidence, as they say. The strategy they used in North Carolina is um, is familiar to anybody who has watched the Democrats and the left work. They engaged in one of these 
consent decrees where a Democrat special interest group, in this case a bunch of Democrat special interest groups, sue a Democrat uh, government. And then the Democrat government agrees to settle for all of the the terms of the, the Democrat special interest group, which leaves the ruling not subject to an appeal because it's a settlement, so-called. The only way that you can um, uh, head something like this off of the past is uh, to file to intervene in the case. And if the GOP in North Carolina didn't file to intervene in this and allowed this consent decree to move forward, then they ought to, uh, they ought to all resign. It's going to get. It's getting harder and harder for Trump to win this election. He's going to actually have to have a huge margin of victory on election night to overcome these, these schemes, these uh, cheap by mail schemes that the Democrats are implementing. Down here in my home state of Florida, Michael Bloomberg has weighed in with his checkbook and paid the fines of thirty-two thousand felons in Florida that were ineligible to vote until that they they had uh, satisfied the terms of their sentences, which included restitution to their victims. But uh, Bloomberg didn't pay the fines of all felons in Florida, the restitution. He only paid that of the black and Hispanic felons. (laughs) So uh, the the white felons were uh, left hanging, I guess, because Bloomberg feared that they might vote for Trump, and he's confident that these black and Hispanic felons are going to vote for Joe Biden. This, of course, is bribery. This is uh, this is typical Democrat strategy. They used to call it walking around money, where you uh, you pay people uh, to vote and to vote for you, and it is a violation of federal law, probably state law here in Florida as well. On the federal level, it's a violation of. Uh, the criminal code section 597, 18 U.S. 597, which states whoever makes or offers to make an expenditure to any person either to vote or withhold his vote or to vote for or against any candidate and whoever solicits, accepts, or receives any such expenditure in consideration of voting or withholding his vote shall be fined under this title or imprisoned by not more than one year or both, and if the violation was willful, shall be fined or imprisoned not more than two years. So uh, if it's a willful uh, act, it is a felony. But it's very unlikely that uh, the, the courts will hold Bloomberg to account on this. Matt Getz uh, is calling for uh, Governor DeSantis and the courts in Florida to uh, to take a look at this and see if it's not a violation of Florida law. I will be calling on the Florida Attorney General to launch an investigation into Mike Bloomberg for potentially engaging in bribery and vote buying in the state of Florida. Here's how that works, Lou. In Florida, you only get to vote if you're a convicted felon, if all of your court costs, fines, fees, and restitution are paid off. And so what Michael Bloomberg is doing is creating a politically motivated way to retire the debts of these felons in exchange for their votes. And it's not every felon. It's just those 
which they have specifically identified as the Biden voters. And so, again, that's offering a bribe, an inducement for someone to behave a certain way in voting. I think it's potentially criminal. It's probably the worst waste of money for Michael Bloomberg since he was a failed presidential candidate. It's also um, short-circuiting the judicial system. You know, those fines and restitution were imposed in most cases either by a judge or a jury in order to punish the felon and uh, and make him responsible for his actions. And so Michael Bloomberg instead is just whipping out his checkbook and paying these people to vote. So Bloomberg and Soros and uh, the tech titans and uh, Bezos, we have got the entire panoply of zillionaires in this country arrayed against an America first agenda. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think the founders ever had any idea that, uh, so few people would have so much control over our legal system. And you couple this with the Democrats vote, um, ballot harvesting schemes, and you have a real clear and present danger to our democracy. You know, people who took an oath to support and defend the Constitution did so against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And we definitely have a huge um, lineup of domestic enemies in this country. Tulsi Gabbard actually uh, introduced a bill, co-sponsored it with a Republican, um, to uh, to outlaw this ballot harvesting. And Tulsi Gabbard is like the last honorable uh, Democrat with any sense at all. Here she is describing her bill. Hey, everybody. We're getting closer and closer to Election Day now, and it is critical to remember that the strength of our democracy lies in the integrity of our elections, that every one of us has to have faith that our vote will count. But right now, there are still many states in our country that allow for something called ballot harvesting. This is a a system that allows for third parties to collect and deliver ballots for other people, potentially large numbers of people, uh, unlimited number of people. And, um, these, these, uh, rulings that have come out of North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, all include provisions that allow this ballot harvesting. Unfortunately, ballot harvesting has allowed for fraud and abuse to occur by those who could tamper with or discard ballots to try to sway an election for or against a certain candidate or party. Our vote is our voice. So whether in the midst of a pandemic, as we are now, where mail-in voting is likely to drastically increase, or even in a normal election, no one, no one should get in between a voter and the ballot box. Now, while some states have prohibited vote harvesting or ballot harvesting, many have not which again allows for abuse from third parties collecting and mishandling ballots. This is something that we've actually seen happen in recent elections. Yes, we have. And, uh, you know, Tulsi came out in um, a buck the trend in her party to turn a blind eye to Netflix and their promotion of pedophilia with their uh, their child porn um, movie uh, Cuties. And now she's taking a strong stand against this ballot harvesting. Uh, this is why she's not going to be able to uh, stand for re-election because the Democrat Party cannot allow this level of independence 
from one of their members. I wish Tulsi uh, would uh, would take up a ticket on a third party. Um, I don't know if that would hurt Trump or or Biden worse, uh, but certainly um, she needs to have some sort of place in the American political spectrum. Tucker actually took on George Soros. You remember, I guess it was on Monday of this week, um, uh, Harris Faulkner over there at uh, un, um, uh, Outnumbered on Fox tried to uh, have her and her crew shout down Newt Gingrich when he mentioned the word of uh, uh, the name of George Soros. Well, Tucker has taken up the challenge and, uh, and called Soros out on his show. Out as cops dressed in riot gear showed up and were face-to-face with furious and frustrated protesters. Most living Americans have never seen scenes like that. Now they're common all over the country. What happened? Well, they tell us it's about police brutality. Police brutality has not increased. In fact, federal statistics show it's down. What's changed in many places is the nature of the prosecutors. The people whose job it is to keep you safe are instead making it easier for criminals to terrorize your family. That's not an accident. Left-wing mega-donors like George Soros realized it's easier to install radical DAs than it is to convince the public to let their own cities burn. Soros has worked hard to elect district attorneys who will nullify laws against rioting and violence by failing to enforce them. In Portland, Oregon, where violence has become a way of life, a Soros-funded political action committee funneled $20,000 to Mike Schmidt's campaign this year. Schmidt, in turn, has announced he won't prosecute any of the rioters who've turned Portland into a war zone. He's already dismissed charges against rioting suspects, hundreds of them. In fact, at one point, Schmidt said the unrest in Portland was, quote, beautiful. Well, in fact, what these Soros attorneys, uh, district attorneys are doing is uh, facilitating the riots. They're facilitating law, uh, law breaking. They're facilitating criminal activity. And, uh, and they're doing it on purpose. They are a group of far left people who want to destabilize this country. And George Soros has done this in many, many countries in Europe. And he he does that. I don't know if it's ideological or strictly a uh, a financial play. But once he destabilizes these countries, he takes advantage of the volatility in their currency to speculate and make billions of dollars. And this is a sort of his business model. We got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Well, Chris Wallace over at Fox News, who's going to moderate the first debate, I think that's on coming up on the 29th of this month, has released a list of topics that he is going to cover in his debate. And I certainly hope that uh, Donald Trump doesn't confine himself to these topics because they really don't dig into Biden's corruption, um, making his family rich through his uh, position in the Senate and then as vice president. So they're going to talk about the Supreme Court. They're going to talk about COVID-19. They're going to talk about the economy, race and violence in our cities, and the integrity of elections. 
Well, those are all good topics that uh, I think Donald Trump can take advantage of. But I certainly hope he also brings up corruption, manifest towering corruption by Joe Biden and his family. The president held another rally, uh, this time outside of Pittsburgh in Moon Township, PA. And, (laughs) man, his work rate is unbelievable. It's got to exhaust Joe Biden just watching how hard Donald Trump is working. For his part, Joe Biden, after having a couple of low-energy, sparsely attended events over the weekend... Uh, started out yesterday morning by uh, putting a lid on his campaign. He was not going to hold any any public meetings, so he's apparently trying to recover from from uh, you know his uh, his weekend and uh, and a Monday where he had to um, to make some announcements, uh, brief announcements. Here's a clip of Donald Trump in Moon Township, PA, last night. Uh, pointing out the difference. You know where he is today? They have a thing called the LID. LID. I don't even know. Do you know what LID stands for? LID. He put out a LID today early in the morning. LID means he's not going to be anywhere today. I'm working my ass off. I'm in Ohio. I'm in Texas. I'm in Florida. I'm in Michigan. I'm in Wisconsin. And then the crowd breaks out into chants of we love you, which I'm glad, you know, I'm glad to see that Donald Trump doesn't get much appreciation. It's good for him to get out and, uh, and, uh, cut through the noise of the Democrats in Washington and their media mouthpieces constantly, um, ragging on him. But, um, Pittsburgh is in Western PA, of course, and, uh, Biden's flip flops, on the issues of uh, of fracking and fossil fuels, it's going to hurt him badly, and Trump was hitting him on that. No, it's true. That's actually true. He did a lot of negative stuff, too. You have to deduct that out. When asked if there would be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration, Joe replied, no. We would make sure that it's all eliminated. All of a sudden, he gets the nomination. You know, he's been trying to get the nomination for decades. He finally get, and that was prime time for him, which was never great. And he never got more than one percent. We called him. Remember, I called him. His first nickname was One Percent Joe. <laughs> it is amazing they've uh, nominated this guy for their candidate. And Trump continued to hit old Joe on his record. I did more in 47 months than he did in 47 years. That's That's a money quote right there. That's got to be on a a bumper sticker. And it's so powerful because it's true. Actually, uh, Joe did do a lot in those 47 years, but almost without exception, it was disaster what he did. He uh, he did the uh, he allowed usury interest rates for his cronies at the Delaware headquartered credit card companies. He got us into endless foreign wars with no national interest at stake. He authored he authored so many bills that uh, he he can't even 
claim now because they turned out to be such a disaster. Let me see if I've got, I'm going to play, uh, I've been uh, hitting up the campaign, telling them they need to bring Ryan Parker on board to warm up these big events because he is absolutely fantastic in in his uh, songwriting and his uh, delivery. And it would be just great to replace those uh, those canned spots with some live music from Ryan Parker. Media says Trump's down in the polls. But I've heard that line before. They said Hillary was gonna be our president. But we showed her Parker, you can follow him on Twitter at Ryan P songs. That's Ryan P songs on Twitter. And if you're with a campaign or, you know, someone with a campaign, you got to get this guy on the stage, man. Y'all, uh, y'all play rolling stones and a bunch of other, uh, songs of uh, taking a play in YMCA, uh, get somebody on there. That's actually writing ballads to this movement. And, uh, and start giving him a platform. You know, I've been watching what's going on, and the Democrats have worked their way into such a frenzy over this election and the replacement of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the court that, uh, the, you know, I'm afraid they're going to follow through on some of these threats that they have been making against Donald Trump. I, I know that, um, you know, he's got... Uh, the secret service defending him. But, uh, at some point this rhetoric that the Democrats are engaged in is going to inspire some, some left wing idiot to try to, to, uh, take out the president before the election. 
and he's all over the road. And I, I remember clearly uh, when Ronald Reagan was, uh, I guess that was the Hyatt in Washington, D.C., went there to make a speech. And, uh, you know, a lone gunman uh, was able to get past the defense and, and uh, deliver a shot on him. The Iranian state media is promising to uh, to take out Donald Trump, and I guess the Democrats are all on board with that. I shouldn't say that. Uh, a large percentage, a large percentage of the Democrats would love that. And you wonder if the Democrat, if the Iranians aren't sort of giving the Democrats um, a wink and a nod to provide them cover to try to take out this president. We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the uh, the Supreme Court process, and we'll look at uh, the Democrats' response to these wildfires right after these messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Stick with us. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm. Good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. So, everybody's celebrating that Mitt Romney has gotten on board and said that he would vote on a, uh, a nominee to the Supreme Court if and when um, Mitch McConnell brings it up for a vote. And they say that this uh, guarantees that Donald Trump's nominee will be installed. I think that's a little premature. I think we're underestimating just how big a hate Mitt Romney has got for this president. And uh, saying he's going to vote is uh, really no, uh, no great revelation. I think everybody is going to vote. The question is whether Mitt Romney will vote to support the president's nominee. He would have a pretty hard time voting against it if he wants to be reelected. But, you know, there's uh, the uh, uh, we saw John McCain uh, do the same thing when he famously walked up there and did his thumbs down on the Republicans efforts to replace Obamacare. And he did that after years and years of uh, of promising the voters of Arizona that he would vote to overturn Obamacare and replace it with something better. And uh, the type of person that Mitt Romney is is very similar to the type of person John McCain is. Their their ego uh, comes first and foremost. And I wouldn't doubt that Mitt Romney uh, finds some way to throw in with the Democrats before it's all over with. 
actually, you know, when I think about it, if he did that, it would still uh, end up in a 50-50 vote in the Senate, and then uh, the deciding vote would be cast by Mike Pence. So there probably wouldn't be any <laughs> any use in Mitt Romney uh, committing career Harry Carey if that were the case. Trust night in uh, in uh, Pittsburgh, Moon County Township or Moon Township. Um, Donald Trump actually spoke well of Mittens. An incredible woman, brilliant woman, and watch the abuse that she will take. Whoever it's going to, the decision is going to be announced on Saturday, five o'clock on Saturday, at the White House. The Democrats are saying, oh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg won't even be buried by then. How dare he make his announcement before she's buried? Well, he postponed it till Saturday to give them time to bury her. They're going to keep this poor woman um, out of the ground for 10 days. That's that's not normal. I, I think if they got Trump to agree not to make his announcement until they bury her, they would uh, they'd be perfectly willing to to uh, keep her on ice until January 21st, 2025. Here's where he gets to the point about uh, old mittens. And you see, we have tremendous Republican support. Two people, you know, always got to be two. Collins and Murkowski. Always got to be the two, those two. We have great support from the Republican Party, tremendous support. It's never been this unified before, ever, ever. In the fake impeachment, we had 196 to nothing Republican support. And we had 52 and a half to a half in the Senate. Who was the half? I can't imagine. I can't. But he was very good today, I have to tell you. He was good. Now I'm happy. Thank you, Mitt. Thank you. No, he was very good today. Very positive statement. <laughs> so Trump uh, really does, you know, he doesn't he doesn't hold grudges as long as you're uh, you're on the right side of an issue. He will uh, he'll let bygones be bygones. Biden, for his part, is still refusing to name his uh, his potential nominees to the Supreme Court, and of course, that's because if he did, he would alienate half the nation, and if he didn't make them far left enough, he would, uh, he would, uh, alienate a big part of his, his voters. So he's, he's just going to keep it a secret telling us we have to wait for him to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but he won't tell us with who I don't think that's going to play real well. Rush Limbaugh on his show yesterday, uh, said this, I'm not sure that I can, uh, I rarely disagree with Rush. That's actually not true. I disagree with him quite a bit, but, uh, he said this on yesterday's show. Legalities and common sense. The 2020 election has nothing to do with this Supreme Court opening. Wait a second. That is not the correct. That is not the correct clip um, as he frantically searches for the correct one. Uh, let's try this one. The election has nothing to do with this Supreme uh, Come on, Jim. Anyway, 
Rush on his show yesterday was saying that uh, they should uh, they should skip the hearings. Let me try it again. Because that's what it's going to be, especially when it's not even required. In addition, there are people on the Judiciary Committee who need to be out campaigning in October. We Here don't we need to open that up for whatever length of time so that whoever this nominee is can be Kavanaugh or Borked or thomas because that's what it's going to be, especially when it's not even required. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no, we definitely need to have these hearings. We need to make Kamala Harris make as big a fool out of herself during this confirmation hearing as she made at Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hearing. And we need to let the American people see these screaming, frothing, unhinged leftists be drugged from the hearing room. We need Cory Booker up there and bugging his eyeballs and and making over the top statements. We need we need to see the Democrat lunacy on parade just to remind everybody of what happened happened with Brett Kavanaugh. I'm not saying we need to make him go on for very long, but we need to make him go on long enough just to remind everybody. We need to let Kamala Harris have her opportunity to show really how unhinged she is. It's going to be a disastrous performance for her because no matter what she does, if she's, if she's uh, even-handed and, and uh, sane, then the left will hate her. And if, uh, if she puts on her, her um, Kavanaugh act, then it'll remind everybody of her performance during that confirmation. Speaking of Kamala Harris, have you noticed how quiet she has been on these wildfires in California? They're just devastating that state. She did make one statement that uh, she's blaming it on climate change. (laughs) It's not climate change. Uh, Texas has a drier, um, hotter climate than California, and it has more forest land than California. They don't have these kind of fires every year. What's happened in California is these radical environmentalist groups have made it impossible to manage the forests. And so uh, they, they can't have controlled burns. They can't clear away the undergrowth. They call it duff in the fire service that gather, that uh, gathers on the floor that uh, allows these fires to spread. They've allowed... Uh, construction of subdivisions right up to the interface, the wildland interface. And it's all in service of the spotted owl and the, the all these other uh, so-called endangered species that are getting wiped out from the fires. Before the fires, they were getting wiped out by the wind farms. These um, uh, wind turbines kill millions of birds, the climate People were just fine about that, but don't you dare try to engage in forest management and harvesting trees in order to keep these fires from uh, being so out of control. So the, the let me let me run out to a break real quick. I'll be right back. Stick with me. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? 
Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. So they're telling us now that 200,000 people have died of COVID-19. Now, I don't know what number of those actually died from COVID-19. I do know that, um, you know, 95%, now that's a 90% of the victims of uh, this virus have had comorbidities oftentimes several comorbidities, actually a majority of the time they've had more than one comorbidity and that uh, the victims have been largely concentrated among the elderly. So there's a real question of how many of those 200,000 died of the Wuhan virus and how many just died with the Wuhan virus. You've seen these stories of, um, you know, people being classified as a COVID death that uh, were killed in motorcycle wrecks or gunshots, falling off roofs, birth defects. There was a case that uh, they classified as a COVID death uh, up in Michigan where the, the poor baby was uh, born with its uh, internal organs on the outside. But let's uh, just say for the sake of argument that the number really is 200,000. I remember quite clearly back in May when uh, Dr. Burks and Fauci were holding their uh, their press conferences, actually Trump was holding and they were, they were speaking, where uh, Burks presented a, uh, a chart, a forecast of the number of deaths we could expect under various scenarios. And the best case scenario in those charts, and this was back in May, middle of May, was 200,000. That was if we did everything right, it was going to be 200,000. Now, I got to admit, you know, I, I thought that that number was high at the time, but it's looking like that this administration has delivered on the best case scenario. The worst case scenario, by the way, in those charts was 2.2 was million people. But we've got Nancy and the rest of them now telling us that, uh, uh, you know, this this didn't have to be this way. And uh, they like to claim that, you know, no other country has reported that many. Well, first of all, that's because Europe, uh, the countries there are much smaller by population and uh, very analogous to a United States state. So we've got 50 of what you would consider European countries. And uh, we know that in China and the other Asian nations, they're, they're not reporting their actual numbers. They're trying to uh, keep their economies intact. In Africa, where the death toll would have been much higher, they are able to buy hydroxychloroquine over the counter, and uh, it, it is a regular part of their, uh, their regime over there to keep from catching malaria. And if you look at the other nations that, uh, that utilize hydroxychloroquine, their 
their mortality rates are very low as well. But not here in the United States. We've got an election to win, so the Democrats have locked us down. They have sent infected patients into nursing homes. Um, They've rioted, looted, burned cities, assassinated peace officers. They're threatening to do more if, uh, if Donald Trump dares exercise his constitutional responsibility to appoint a Supreme Court justice. And oh, by the way, they're doing this in the middle of a presidential campaign because they want you to vote for them. Max Kellerman over at ESPN said this idiotic thing on his show yesterday. A few of the things he said when he talks about, like, Black Lives Matter, 93% of the protests are peaceful. The vast, overwhelming majority are peaceful. And by the way, the 7% that are not, they have a very broad definition of what's not quote-unquote peaceful. For example, if you block traffic or something like that, or if you respond to police provocation. And even then, a big percentage of that, which we, that, that wasn't peaceful, is actually outside agitators, extremist right-wing agitators, posing as protesters in order to make the protests look bad. That's the first You know, thing. I've known for a long time that Max Kellerman was a, a, an idiot. He's basically a poodle or a... a an organ grinder monkey for Stephen A. Smith. And, uh, you know, they're idiots over there at ESPN. But I don't think I've heard anybody squeeze as many stupid and untrue statements into 30 seconds as Max Kellerman did right there. Even I underestimated the stupidity of Max Kellerman. He's saying that this is a result of right-wing agitators yeah, okay. In Portland and Seattle and Minneapolis, Oakland, Washington, D.C., New York City. Oh, yeah, it's right-wing agitators that are going in and causing the violence. This whole notion that 93% are peaceful. Bullshit. I don't know where they're coming up with those numbers, but, uh, you know, I guess you could say, well, I've got cancer, but 97% of my body is cancer-free. Kellerman's an idiot. i got about an 11-minute clip here I'm going to play for you in my long-form clips. This is a, a, a piece put together. It's actually a video put, back, uh, put together by Lynn Wood and his fightback.law campaign to mobilize... Um, you know, people in uh, opposition to these left-wing radicals. And he's talking about the case of Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha. Oh, look, they've got it blocked. Let me see if I can get to it another way. Every decade or so, a legal matter arises that holds the power to negatively affect our lives for generations to come. Regardless of what side of the political spectrum you identify with, this is about you. Scenes of rioting and cities across the country. 
After two nights of violence, fires, and citywide vandalism, angry mobs gathered on night three to protest the police shooting of Jacob Blake. In Kenosha. Adding to the volatility of the situation, many of the protesters were armed. This one got a gun on him. This one got a gun on him. This one got a gun on him. This one got guns on the rifles. To prevent the total destruction of their community, Good Samaritans united to guard local businesses. Among them was 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse. So people are getting injured. Age 17, worked as a lifeguard, trained in life support. And part of my job is also help people. If there's somebody hurt, I'm running into harm's way. That's why I have my rifle, because I need to protect myself, obviously. But I also have my med kit. There's a medic right here if you need help. I am an EMT. If you are injured, come to me. Earlier that day, Rittenhouse volunteered to remove graffiti from Ruther Central High School in Kenosha. In December 2018, Rittenhouse started a Facebook fundraiser for a nonprofit called Humanizing the Badge. In his own words, the mission is to forge stronger relationships between law enforcement officers and the communities they serve. He asked his friends to donate to the organization for his 16th birthday. In the early hours of night three, protesters and guards were in solidarity. Tensions began to rise as protesters set a dumpster ablaze, then began pushing it toward a gas station. A guard quickly extinguished the flames, angering fire starter Joseph Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum was a convicted child rapist, 36 years old, had a long rap sheet. Rosenbaum retaliated, focusing his rage on a guard in a green t-shirt. Moments later, just down the street, Joseph Rosenbaum is seen starting more fires. Around that same time, Kyle Rittenhouse is spotted running with a fire extinguisher. With his face concealed, Rosenbaum emerges, chasing after Rittenhouse. Ooh, we got a gun, baby. While exploring possible... That, uh, that clip shows Rittenhouse throwing... I mean, uh, Rosenbaum throwing something as Rittenhouse and chasing him uh, through that parking lot of that gas station. Possible motives for the foot pursuit... It's worth noting that the target of Rosenbaum's first altercation was dressed similarly to Kyle Rittenhouse. A single gunshot is fired by a protester, identified as Alexander Blaine. The uh, Alexander Blaine is a gang member of the Sin City Disciples and an amateur porn actor. From this angle, we see the muzzle flash of Blaine's handgun. Seconds later, Kyle Rittenhouse is pinned between parked cars. Let's rewind to analyze this pivotal moment frame by frame. 
Here we see Rittenhouse, Rosenbaum, and a reporter by the name of Richard McGinnis, who is filming the chase on his cell phone. Directly in front of Rittenhouse, armed with bats and other weapons, a mob is forming a barricade. With no way out and no way to know who fired that shot, Rittenhouse turns to face Rosenbaum. Right before he turned around, I'm not sure if this was a reason why he turned around, but there was a gunshot, and that's actually visible on video. It's not clear whether or not that gunshot was fired into the air or towards Rittenhouse, but Rittenhouse did turn around immediately after that. And at that point, he went from running away to aiming his weapon at Rosenbaum, and I was actually directly behind Rosenbaum. So I took one or two steps to my right, right as Rosenbaum was lunging for the barrel of the rifle. Kyle Rittenhouse fired four shots. Seconds later, three additional shots are fired by an unknown shooter. One bullet grazed Joseph Rosenbaum's head. Another penetrated his right groin, his left thigh, and his back. With a total of eight shots fired, it remains unclear that all four of Rosenbaum's wounds were caused by Rittenhouse. I think they probably were. That'll be determined by an autopsy. But what's telling here in that scene is Rittenhouse didn't flee the scene. He came back around ready to render aid to Rosenbaum. He had his med kit with him. But before he could do that, he was set upon by the mob. As Richard McGinnis began tending to Rosenbaum, Rittenhouse returned to the scene and began placing a call for help. As the mob begins calling for the attack of Rittenhouse, he is forced to flee the scene. Did Kyle Rittenhouse have reason to believe his life was in danger? Hell yeah. You got somebody chasing you that's trying to take your weapon, you got to assume that they mean, mean you harm. Dozens of U.S. cities are in chaos. Millions of Americans have taken to the streets. 77-year-old David Dorn was shot to death as a pawn shop he was protecting was being looted. The voices of peaceful protests are being hijacked by violent, radical elements. One man was injured after attempting to protect a Kenosha mattress store before it eventually burned down overnight. Rittenhouse is seen next, running towards the flashing lights of police vehicles. The armed mob is now chasing after him. Cranium, that boy! He just shot a man! Within this context, the word cranium is street slang, which is a calling for someone to take Rittenhouse out with a headshot. Hey, what are you doing? You shot somebody? He says, I'm going to get the police. An unidentified protester strikes Rittenhouse in the head, knocking his hat off. Rittenhouse trips and falls to the ground. Another protester attempts to jump on Rittenhouse, who then fires two shots into the air. I think it's a shame he, uh, he didn't land one of those shots, but I'm not sure that he was attempting to. With blunt force, another protester strikes Rittenhouse in the back of the head with a sharp edge of a skateboard, then reaches for the rifle. Rittenhouse fires a single shot, striking the man in the chest. That was Anthony Huber, convicted of domestic abuse, using a dangerous weapon, battery, 
and strangulation of, uh, and suffocation, second degree reckless endangerment. Anthony Huber, another one of these left wing martyrs. A third protester fakes as if he's surrendering, then suddenly advances with a handgun aimed at Rittenhouse. A single shot strikes the man's right bicep. That was Gage Grossneck. We're not sure if that's uh, really his name, but he was uh, previously pled guilty to possession of a firearm while intoxicated. What's interesting about that portion of the clip is uh, it appears that Rittenhouse's rifle actually jams. And when he goes to clear it, that's when Grosscheck uh, comes at him with his his uh, Glock and um, Rittenhouse clears the jam in time to shoot his gun hand and which caused uh, which probably saved Kyle's life while visiting him in the hospital a friend of Grosskreutz posted the following photo and statement on social media I just talked to Gage Grosskreutz too his only regret was not killing the kid and hesitating to pull the gun before emptying the entire mag into him When a fourth protester raises his arms in surrender, Rittenhouse exhibits remarkable judgment by not firing his weapon. As Rittenhouse moves toward police, multiple gunshots explode behind him. Rittenhouse is in jail today, being held on $2 million bond on a bunch of trumped-up charges when it was clear that he was uh, acting in self-defense. And if you can, go to... Fightback.law, that's fightback.law, and uh, make a donation to his defense today. That takes us to the end. I hope to come back here again tomorrow. Talk to you then. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck-on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home.